let's start. Welcome to the episode of Hallmark Heartbeats, a podcast all about Hallmark movies. I'm your host, Camille, and today I am honored to be joined by Ray Thunderchild and Paul Grenier, um, stars of the newest Hallmark movie that just came out called Journey of My Heart. And I want to thank you both for joining me. I mean, I love the movie. I'm such a huge fan of the movie and the message and everything, you know, um, we're going to talk more about it. But for our listeners, would you guys take your time and introduce yourselves, um, what you guys, um, your previous works. And also, I know you both are Indigenous actors. I was wondering if you guys would um, say what your what tribe you guys are part of. Okay. Right. Well, let, me, let me start, okay? Okay. Here's how I do it. Um, <laughs> sharing your language that's beautiful um and what, what was your previous works if you had before journey of my heart some of them oh well that was quite a few of them but i can't quite remember them all like i don't keep <laughs> track of them at all you know I, as a matter of fact i used to have, when i first started acting over 25 years ago i used to keep all the scripts and i figured i wanted to see how many scripts i can keep now they became good, uh, you know, fire starters <laughs> or campfires. <laughs> they became good for that. <laughs> but I stopped using them. I even I don't even watch myself on TV. But I had to watch this. I don't. I, I I'm, I'm my own worst critic. Understandable. <laughs> yeah, and you know because I just don't like to see myself. How I, I guess it's I don't like how other people see me. <laughs> it's a phobia. Paul. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with Ray on this one. Um, I can't remember all of my credits, but um, Ray and I worked together on Blackstone, which was fun. Um, and the 100. And the 100, yeah. And so we always seem to get paired up, which is which is pretty nice. Um. And uh, before filming this show, Journey of My Heart, um, I was actually in Australia filming a show called Pieces of Her. Um, and that was kind of fun. Who am I kidding? It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what, what tribe are you part of? Paul? Oh, I'm sorry. I should have introduced myself. 
Um, I'm Chanupawakpa, Dakota First Nations. Wow. I, so I can't speak my language, though. Aw. I can barely speak English. <laughs> but that's the other thing, too, is that I know that a lot of Indigenous people, they have lost their language. I feel really sad about that, too. Yeah. Well, I, I was one of the lucky ones that kept mine because I did go to residential school, too. Mm. But the kind I went to was a day school. Mm. So I get to go home at night to continue my language. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, so, so Cree is my first language. English is my second language. That's beautiful. That is, uh, that is so beautiful. Um, so this is both, this, is, this movie is actually, I think the first Hobart movie that featured indigenous actors. How did it feel to be part of that history? to like be that? I, I guess for me, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something, there's something to look at in, in a way of, as an indigenous, indigenous actor, I guess for myself, it's quite a, a remarkable achievement to have made it this far and be uh, in a movie such as that. I've walked, or I've already walked the red carpet. So, yes. you know, I I'm moving forward. This is something's better. Someday I'll get a good lead starring role, or maybe not. Hey, you never know. Shoot, that would, what would what kind of role would you like to take? Would you like to get some, some kind of like a, a professor or a lawyer? <laughs> oh yeah, you actually would. Yeah, you actually did sort of give off professor vibes in this movie, though, with your knowledge and stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, I mean, I was telling somebody, um, her husband's family is um, Native American. And um, she was saying that one thing that she was so happy to do is show her daughter this movie because she's never seen herself on screen. You know what I mean? She's never had that opportunity to see other people that look like her. On screen, mm -hmm. and I was like, "That's gotta, that's that's gotta be special, you know." Of course, yeah. and it should be. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, um, so how is it working with Lucy, Rhiannon, and the rest of the cast? I you both said that you worked at on One Hundred. Were you working with Lucy on? I mean, not Lucy on Rhiannon, and when she was there too, or no? <laughs> so this no. is, was this your first time working with um, Lucy, Rihanna, and Darian, and them? And Grace? Yeah, yeah. this was uh, my first time meeting all of them. Um, I got to say, absolute, absolute professionals. Um, and Lucy has such clarity of vision and was it was really something special because she also you know everything starts at the top of the pyramid right and lucy really set the tone by just being so open and 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 loving to everyone so every day going to set was like going to hang out with your family it was really really yeah. really special so it was it was amazing yeah that and, was 
And the same, everyone else was the same, uh, but I really feel like like Lucy really set the tone for that. So, yeah, yeah, and she was so she was so friendly too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the best part. Yeah. However, you can't see that smile through those masks. <laughs> <laughs> the the location we guys like filmed was pretty remote, correct? I mean, yeah, I guess, first of all, the, the scenery was dropped at gorgeous. I, uh, I just talked to Lucy and uh, Rhiannon yesterday, and we were just talking about how beautiful the land is over there and stuff like that. Um, do you have any behind the secrets, you know, that you want to share about filming with the with the of the cast. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's a boom situational, right? <laughs> what about you, right? Well, you know what? With uh, let's just say Grace. So let's start off with Grace at first, okay? It's not a secret for me, like you know, because the first time I met her was at the uh, Kanata Festival downtown Vancouver. Mm. I was I was the master of ceremonies and she, she honored me by coming to sit beside me where she wanted to learn how to be a master of ceremonies. She was taking notes on how I do it. Mm. And, you know, she it's just like you and I talking right now. It's just, it's just normal for me to, to grab that microphone and they, you know, once I grab that microphone, I'm totally different. Even my wife told me once, she said, you know, sometimes when you grab that microphone, I don't even know who you are. You totally transform into somebody that teaches. Wow. Well, that's good though. But Grace and I, like, you know, I have a lot, you know, I have a lot of admiration for Grace. I really do. Like now that I worked with her, you know, I, it was so good to see her again. Sometimes, you know, it was just, I see her momentarily sometimes, but not very often, but you know, what I do see her, a few far between, but you know, for Lucy, that was the first time I ever met Lucy. No, no, she, I worked with her. There was another show, oh, I can't remember that now. Cause like I said, I don't keep track of what I just, I know I have a resume, but <laughs> I don't keep track of what I do. My agent does all that. <laughs> yeah, uh, well that's, what about, um... Yeah, I mean, Grace, I feel like her character exudes kindness, like through oh, yeah. the screen and like, you know, pure of heart kind of thing. Even, I, she should have done more, she should have been on the movie more, I feel. <laughs> no, just kidding. No. Grace totally, she, sorry to interrupt you there, Ray. Um, no. One thing I noticed, because like all my scenes were with, well, not all of them, but uh, most of them were with uh, with Grace, and she has so much power, and she's never shy about projecting her power as well, and like just existing in it, which mm. is it's really, really like it's stunning to behold when you're there, like in the in the moment, because then it, like all of a sudden you're getting empowered too because of her energy. Yeah. So. Really, there's there's a fierceness in her eyes too that you're just like, like, 
you're a powerful individual and yeah i really like working with her it definitely it definitely showed on screen there are some actors like you know but it doesn't it, i i felt that but when the camera looked at gave, did close-ups of her she felt like she was succeeding you know grace grace <laughs> <laughs> And power. The name fits. Let's just put it that way. Even the yeah. because it's peaceful, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kept mistaking her her name for what Grace Love, or I did not realize it was Grace Dell. Is that her real name? Is that just her screen name? Yeah. Is it love or dumb? It's dove. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> But what uh, what was your favorite part of the whole uh, experience filming the f- movie? <clears throat> My mind was receiving that eagle feather from Lucy and the crew. They came there. They, you know that eagle feather I was using on that scene, and my uh, my niece put beadwork on it. Mm. So I have it sitting in front of my TV and my, you know, my wife says, you know, usually you're not a very sentimental kind of person, but why you put it there? So why not? It looks good there. It's beat it. It's already done, you know, and it's going to be there forever. Yeah. I got that feather from that eagle they were using in that show. Wow. What was so the name of the eagle? It's quite an honor. You didn't meet the eagle? Unfortunately, I didn't. I went up there and I looked at it. But like I said, when that feather fell off, that's when Lucy came and gave it to me. Mm. Well, I think it was after the scene, right? I don't remember. I think she gave it to you when we were just got out of uh, wardrobe and hair and makeup. Okay. We were waiting to go on the side. Well, that's the same feather I was on the scene anyways. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> was it was a lot of the scenes that you had where you were explaining the significance of of eagles and eagle feather to Abby? Was like all that was that real? Like re- really based on Native American legend kind of thing? I actually looked to find that uh, the eagle and the moon to see if that was, that was an actual book. But I did see it as a book, but I did see a YouTube video saying that it was based on a Native American myth or something about Eagle and the Moon. But, well, it's like I said on my roll on there, the Eagle Feather is very highly praised in the culture that I come from. Hmm. Okay, because you know the Eagle Feathers or the, the Eagles are the ones to fly closest to the creator. Yeah. And you know, this is a short story I like to share sometimes about my late father when we buried him. And never been there's never been eagles around our area, but as soon as we buried my grandfather looked up saw an eagle up there. Wow. Flying higher and higher it disappeared. Wow. Well that's you know, to us we took that so we started singing a song, we heard two songs and things for that. You know, actually, when speaking of the eagle feather uh, and the story, um, Ray was kind enough to teach us all about the different the different length sides of the eagle feather and the length and what it means uh, in his uh, cultural uh, his tribe. And Lucy was sitting there with us in a big circle. Um, I believe Is it was that the picture uh, that you posted. 
Yeah, and it was my first time hearing that story, so thank you, Ray. Yeah, you're welcome. I've known that pretty well. The majority of my life, I guess, you know, growing up from my late grandparents, they told me a lot of other stuff that they taught me too, like I said, but in the language of that, I come from. Mm. That's beautiful. I, I've never seen an eagle. I've never seen They're huge. Huh? They're huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> they got claws. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When they get a hold of you, look out. When their eagle's mad at you, it'll it, it'll come at you. Tell on the person. Don't come near their nest when they have the babies. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So we we use the eagle feather, the eagle uh, every part of the every part of the body of the eagles in our culture. Hmm. The head, the claws, even the bones. That's where the Sundance is coming from. We use those uh, eagle bones. Yeah. That's what they use for Sundance. Mm. Yeah, the um, if you don't mind me asking, have you do you guys do powwows or whatever? I, I've seen oh, yeah. some of the outfits that the the beautiful. Oh yeah. You know what? I grew up in that culture. Mm. I grew up in the in in, in I guess in the powwow world because my family belonged to that. We we had a we had a very prominent drum group in my family. All my brothers, my uncle, my grandpa, my dad, we were all singers. Wow. So I grew up a singer since I was five, and I'm 65 now. Wow. I've been a singer all my life. You know, I grew up with it. My late father was always singing, my late grandfather, in a little log cabin growing up in Saskatchewan. That's all we heard. That's all I ever heard growing up. And the language. That's all I ever heard. What about you, Paul? Um, I've never even been to one. Um, the only f- festival I've ever been to where there was singing and dancing was, I think it was at the Friendship Center. And I think, I believe, Ray, you were in a drum circle and you were, you were sort of you were singing and then you had a whole bunch of people with you and you're all banging on that big drum. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm the and leader of a drum group. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe Eric was there. Eric Schwing. Yeah. And it was, uh, <laughs> that was my first time ever being to anything like that. I grew up in foster care my whole life. So I wasn't really exposed to my own culture or history. It wasn't until I became an actor. Um, and, you know, if you're first nations or, or, or a, a, a person of a different cultural heritage, you tend to audition for and work on roles that suit, um, you know, what your what your cultural history is and your cultural background is. And so, um, a lot of what I have learned um, about my own cultural history, my heritage, and uh, other people's um, histories was through the work, because I had to learn it in order to to at least come at a place of authenticity. So. A lot of reading, a lot of uh, talking to people, uh, talking to elders and getting the story, um, getting their stories and stuff like that. So um, I'm grateful for for my for being an actor for that reason, because I don't think I ever would have. I don't think I would have sought out my my cultural heritage if it weren't for acting, because it just wasn't a part of my part of who 
was growing up. Yeah. So. I, I grew up in foster care too. Oh, I, really? I was raised by a black family. Mm-hmm. And I love my family very much, but that is one thing that I got away from. I was taken for me too, was I'm Filipino and I don't know my language. I don't know a lot of my culture kind of thing. I was raised in a black household, so I know more about, you know, their culture, their stuff. They, um, my own, and really when I moved back to my parents' house at 18, and, you know, here in Hawaii, we have a lot of Filipino population. That's when I got reintroduced to my own culture kind of thing. But I still, in a way, feel like I stand out because I still don't speak the language. I still, a lot of things are still um, a mystery to me that, you know, we take for granted or whatever, you know. I, I totally agree with that because I grew up in a lot of like short-term foster homes. Um, for whatever reason but the one thing that i i noticed and there was there was some decent foster homes um some not so decent but um there's no question and there's no doubt in my mind that there's a lot of love for us and that we're we're viewed as like because my brother was in foster care as well and it's my twin um and we were uh clearly loved, but at the same time, you, that, that sense of you just not belonging doesn't go and it doesn't go away. And you can pretend like it does, but I never, I never, I was never at peace with that for some reason. I don't know why. And I would fake it during Christmas and events and stuff like that. But um, yeah, for some reason, I just, I just didn't. And it wasn't until I met my partner, um, who's currently in Vancouver, that I feel like I'm truly home, you know? Yeah. So, it's really weird. Sorry, I didn't mean to drag that down a little bit. No, no, this is... This is... No, no, that was, that was good, man. That's good. That's good. I thought really good to hear that, you know, because I, for one, let me tell you something. I, for one, is very, very fortunate to be raised by both my parents, both my grandparents on both sides, and then all my aunts and all my uncles. And yeah. I come from a huge family. I come from a family of 12, six boys, six girls. And I'm the third oldest of the whole litter. <laughs> and I have well, one sister a year younger than me. But now there's nine of us now. Three passed away so far along with my father. And, um, one of them was about 11, 10 years ago, my baby sister passed away. And then this last year in April 4th, one of my brothers passed away from COVID in Washington. Wow. Just this April, April 17th, they buried my baby brother. Died of COVID also. I'm sorry to hear that, Ray. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really been, it's really taken a toll on all of us, you know. It creates, you know, then I had to talk to my family after that, let them know that COVID is real. Go get immunized. Yeah. Because they were one of those ones that were against the needle. 
Yeah. It, it took it took something like this to awaken all my family. Yeah, sadly, um, that statistically, Native Americans had um, COVID affected them the most in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, pretty much black and brown people was and stuff, but. <sighs> it sucks. You know what? We, we the indigenous people, the, you know, the, the original online keepers, we do have a lot of medicines that work for us. Mm. And they, in the, you know, fighting against a lot of that. Yeah. And that's say something that I, I myself, um, just recently in March 8th, you know, I've been in perfect health until I had a heart attack. Oh. Yeah, so it's been like a rough ride for me for the past uh, couple of months now. I'm getting triggered to that. Was, was you know, I'm not even supposed to drive, and I'm still driving. I hope you're. I hope you're better. Oh, I'm getting. You know, every day gets a lot better for me. You know, I'm not one that every day. Everybody keeps telling me rest, rest. Oh, come on. <laughs> like I, that's not in your vocabulary. It's not nowhere near. He can't keep me down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what my wife always says, you know, you're a hard man to keep down. I'm very, I've been an active person all my life. And that's how I'm going to die. We want you to stay alive for as long as you can. Oh, same here. Same here. <laughs> you have so much knowledge, I feel. Well, yeah. um, actually, we touched upon this earlier um we wanted to ask um earlier this year you got we found the graves of um god i hate talking about this i always cry but we found the graves of the children under the residential schools um i i ray i'm so glad that you got away from that um and so did you, Paul. I mean, foster care wasn't exactly ideal either. But um, I have a, do you guys know anyone who are survivors personally? And how can we help as, you know, look outsiders? Who, I, I didn't even know about resi- residential schools. And I feel like so bad that I didn't know all this time. Um, how can we help? If anything, with that, with survivors, with looking, with anything. Just listen to them. They go. They have a story to tell. Listen to them. There's nothing you can do to fix that. Only because you weren't there. Yeah. And you know, so therefore, listening to them sometimes just getting it off their chest is a big healing process. Talking about it. You know, sometimes some of them won't, won't open up. Yeah. There are some people who want to heal. I have many, many stories about myself, even in day school. We, we went through lots in that day school, too. You know, the things that are, how do you say, what happened in Vegas, stays in Vegas. Yeah. But here, what happened in this classroom, Nothing you can do about it. This is horrible. Well, 
That's what it. That's the way it was. It's like I, I'll tell you the mandate of the government and the churches were kill the Indian, save the man. That's what they were trying to, uh, you know, assimilate us. It worked for some people, but not all. There's very few of us that went to that day school that still keep the language. And most of my family speak the language. We're all over 50 now, so we're in the grandparent stage now. <laughs> we're no longer the uh, the uncle, the brother, you know what I'm saying? We're in the grandparents, great-grandparents stage already. So. I myself, I only have one son, one child, and probably this is old as Paul. My son is 33. I'm way older than that. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I'm 35. Yeah. That, that's how many children I got. I only got one son. Mm. That's all. I never wanted kids. <laughs> but one came along. But does, does your son know his, your language also? Is... No, he doesn't. He was raised by his mother. Mm. His mother, well, it's a long story. I don't want to get into that either. Sorry. <laughs> no, but my son and uh, his sister, they're trying to learn the language. So I do my best to try to teach them. But, you know, they live in a different province. I live in BC. They live in Alberta. And uh, it's hard for me to communicate with them because they work all the time, too. Yeah. It's like me. I'm always working, too. The job I got requires me to travel a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because I work for the Indian Residential School Survivor Society. I'm a support worker in that. So it's a big, it's a heavy job. Yeah. A you guys have a, you have a very important job. Mm -hmm. uh, you, the job of, of helping those survivors and stuff. It's just horror. I've been I've been watching and listening to a lot of the stories of the native of the indigenous people. It's just uh, so sad. Like, it, and, and you know what this experience helped me with? What it helped me with my role on this movie. Mm. Yeah, because normally that's how I would just sit down and talk to whoever it is that I need to talk. Yeah. Yeah, that's the hat I wear. <laughs> so I use that to my advantage because you know, like I said, this is a role. I thought when I looked at that, I said, this, "I got to put on a hat." My <laughs> wife, said, my wife looked at me. She said, "Ray, just be you." She said, "Yeah." And I just said, "I just went to my, I just went by me." Like I said, I I watched it only because like I was curious. Yeah. Yeah, and. Um, I have a lot of friends on Facebook already looking at me, calling me, hey, I watched that show last night. And the hell are you doing in it? <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, that's fun. But it, they, they really liked it. That's so, good. I, I loved it too. A lot of, yeah. There are a lot of good things about it. Uh, what message do you guys want viewers to take from this movie? Hmm. <clears throat>
Uh, you know what? I guess for me, like what that young lady had a vision, a vision of finding these eagles, and she went ahead, went through everything to get to see her vision. Mm -hmm. It said like this: this show is all about having a vision and following up with it. Mm -hmm. All the way through yeah. with it. Yeah, follow through with it, and you end up with a good result. Always don't follow your gut; just follow your vision. Mm. Mm -hmm. Trust yourself. Yeah. 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 You have any uh, other projects coming up, both of you guys? None for me right now. No. <laughs> Yeah, me either. Lots of auditioning. Um, I'm very fortunate that uh, I get to read for as many roles that I do. Um, but for right now, everything's. <laughs> that's the way. That's the way I am doing. I auditioned. Nothing. Nothing happened. I guess I just don't have the look. I'm hoping to see more of you guys. I mean, you guys are just, you have such powerful messages. And I'm so honored and so grateful to be trusted with your stories. And thank you, Paul. I mean, really, your story about, you know, being a foster care really touched me and stuff. Because, like, I've been, I, I'm there. I I'm there, you know, I aged out of foster care when I was 18 and I'm still like learning, I guess, my own stuff. And it's, I still don't know the language, you know, I wish I did, but. Never too late. Yeah, I know it's never too late. <laughs> my parents try to teach us, um, is try to talk to us and stuff. I love my foster parents. I don't regret them. I love with them for seven and a half years and there's not nothing in this world that could happen that would make me not love them but I, that is one thing that I wish that I had to it's my experience with my culture you know and stuff and so, Mr. Ray thank you so much for for like speaking your language and telling us your story and it's an honor and I hope you have the greatest health because I don't want you to leave this earth too soon. <laughs> Trust me, me neither. I'm carving this photo bowl right now. I need to finish it. <laughs> okay. Thank you, guys.